0: Hello, everybody. Um, Here we go. The ultimate measure of a man. And if you have never listened to this podcast, it is um, talking about the ultimate measure of a man. Um, In particular, it comes from a lot of history and a lot of learning of what it's like to be a man. And and, and many people struggle with this. And and I struggled with this when I was growing up. And most of it is because you um, don't have a direct contact or direct connection with a man well this podcast i'm going to talk a little bit about a man who i did have a connection with although initially i did and the reason i didn't have a connection with him is because um you know when my first five years of my life he was serving in the vietnam war and this is a tribute to my father bobby Newsom. my father was born in 1950 Uh, And of course, uh, he was uh, born um, into this country as a black man, Uh, which, you know, for those of you who are listening, who are not black men, um, that that has sometimes to other people, that's a negative thing. But to my father, it was very, very positive. And I just want to share with all of you that um, God really worked through my father to help me and my brothers and my sisters to learn what what a man what a man was what a father was what a husband was what a what a provider was what a, a a person who is um committed to life uh and 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 celebrating all that life has to offer a man who enjoyed music a man who enjoyed family, who enjoyed poetry, who enjoyed reading, who enjoyed history. Uh, This was my father, Bobby Newsom. So I hope that you enjoy this podcast because I got a lot to say about my incredible father, a veteran of the United States Air Force, served in the Vietnam War, a jet engine mechanic, helped to fix F-4s, made sure that pilots got out there and got safe back and forth from Thailand or all over to the Vietnam War and, and really uh, uh, came up in the neighborhood, the tough streets of Bed-Stuy, do or die. Uh, once before, my father had witnessed his family being evicted from their house and having all of his stuff on the street. He says when he was walking down the street and his friends were walking and laughing and he was laughing that somebody got put out of their home come to find out it was him and his family talked about having cardboard in his shoes. I used to think my father was cheap, but he, uh, you know, that cardboard in the shoes thing was he never wanted to experience that again. So I, I picked up on those traits. So let me give you the story of Bobby Newsom, Bobby Newsom born July 27th, 1950, um, in New York city. (laughs) Wow! 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 He was born to Theodore Newsom and Arthenia Newsom, uh, both uh, from the South. My grandfather was from North Carolina. My grandmother was from South Carolina. Uh, he grew up in a home that um, had a lot of love. I, I, I'm always careful to explain they had a lot of love, but a lot of abuse, alcoholism. You know, just really changed everything that's why today i'm not a proponent of drug use or or, or 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 i mean i drink wine but i'm not you know i'm not a real fan of you know just just drinking alcohol for the sake of drinking alcohol you know my my my, my father uh had a lot of issues growing up for him he said he, you know he stuttered when he was a kid he couldn't communicate he didn't feel like he could talk to people because of that stuttering problem so he became a shy kid Um, even as he got older, he used to say things like, Hey son, you know what? Um, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to say it. And I say, dad, just say it. And he would say it. So, you know, my father had a lot of, uh, of things that I saw that then I could see him as a child. I'm sitting there looking at a picture of him as a child and then looking at a, a picture of him as an adult. Um, and, and, and my father, um, grew up as a very shy kid for that and for a lot of reasons um he uh he talked about how uh he dealt with racism he dealt with um people teasing him or sometimes you know he had those big beautiful eyes even as a kid and and, you know sometimes they they talked about him like he was a girl he was a very meticulous guy um, always loved to have his nails done, made sure his hair was tight, made sure his face was tight, made sure his skin was good. <laughs> My father wouldn't go anywhere without being on point. His clothes had to be on point. I mean, he just wasn't. He was one of those type of people. Um, so, it, it, as a you know, he went to um, Westinghouse um, High School, which is a school that is designed, you know, to help uh, in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn. He, uh, that that school is designed to help people learn a trade. So he learned how to do electrical work and learned how to fix things, more mechanical and electrical type work. And so when, when he went into the Air Force, he became a jet engine mechanic. He worked on Air Force. Uh, and my father was a person who loved to fix stuff. He loved taking apart lamps and take back in the day when you could, taking apart TVs with tubes and fixing them, toasters, whatever it was. My father wanted to fix those things, so he became one of those type of people. My dad was one of those men who took a lot of pride in making sure that he was not going to fall down or fail his family. He talked about welfare, and I'm just going to say this on this podcast for everybody to clearly understand that my, my father said welfare is the enemy of the black community. Um, and just so you guys know, because I've done this on Facebook Live, I've talked about my father on many, many occasions. My father always said that he was pro-black, but he was anti-nobody. He believed in love and not hate. He, he even though people had oppressed him, he felt as if um, the, the way to conquer them and the way to uh, conquer hate is with love. But also he said that he was going to show people, not go at them in a, in a way where it's going to be counterproductive. He felt like fighting and putting energy towards race, racist people um, was waste of energy, where he thought the energy needed to be put towards the black community. and and bringing and lifting people up. So he said, I don't want to spend any energy on the negativity, I'll address the negativity. I see the negativity, I see the racism, I see the hate. I see that people wanna hold me down, but I am not gonna give them that victory over me. I think that's where I get it from is that people say, well, Shondell, why you don't react to this? Why you don't react to that? Why you don't react? Because my father said, I don't wanna waste any energy and give anybody my time and energy on things that are not productive. So productivity to him was very important and not wasting time. So, so my father went to the air force. He befriended a a Jewish guy, um, that he, uh, that they spent, you know, they spent a lot of time together. And he said that the Jewish guy was the one that told him about economics and about capitalism in this country. And all the time, you know, my father was big in the, into the big into the Black Panther movement. He was big into a lot of the community organizing events. And he said, "I didn't think about that. He didn't think about the economics. He didn't think about the capitalism." So he, and when he came back, he decided he was going to take advantage of his uh, his uh, Air Force um, veteran status and purchase a home. For his wife and kids and he bought a brownstone in brooklyn that we own today um that was in 1979 when my father bought that house and he uh he he believed that um this was the emancipation from poverty for his family and and he was right that it changed the mindset for us not and and, and not growing up in the projects and my father talked about the projects we never experienced the projects me and my brothers and sisters never experienced Living in the projects. My father told us about the projects. And my father told me, told us that he never wanted us to get a project mentality. Seemed like my father always talked about these mentalities. He said, I don't want you to have a welfare mentality. I don't want you to have a project mentality. I don't want you to have a mindset of poverty. So my father always talked about these different things as if, you know, these were plagues that we could catch and we could never get rid of them. But in a lot of ways, he was right. He, he talked about not having generational welfare. He talked about having generational wealth. He said, you got to have generational wealth and not generational welfare. He felt like the important, of the, the, the important of that discussion is seriously important to our entire family, that we never, ever think about um, living in poverty. And, and because he said, once you get there, it's hard to get out. And he felt like his tenure with the United States Air Force um, and the relationships that he built helped him to transform out of poverty. And he never wanted to go back. Never, ever did he want to put cardboard in his shoes. Never, ever did he want to be evicted. And he took that seriously to where my father made sure that he paid his mortgage and he paid off our house. And you know, today we still own that house, and he paid the taxes, and he fixed it, and he made sure that that he, he we never experienced the things that he experienced, which is which is which is uh, interesting because I see a lot of parents today who are allowing their kids to experience things that they never they never should experience. These you know these kids shouldn't experience um, um, abuse. They shouldn't experience poverty. They shouldn't experience any type of thing that is not um, of. Uh, of positivity for them my father felt like you know he wasn't um, protecting us from everything because we still grew up in bedside we still grew up in the neighborhood because he talked he said he talked about moving to long island away from all the streets and everything but he thought it was important that we grew up around those neighborhoods so that we could still experience and we could still talk about a lot of those things so my dad just felt like it was extremely important in a lot of ways that we, uh, understood a little bit of street and a whole lot of everything else. So he was so excited to see, um, how his sons and daughters turned out. Um, so my, so my dad went to Vietnam, came back, had a lot of the same issues everybody else did, dealt with a lot of relationship issues dealt with a lot of drug issues dealt with a lot of alcoholist alcoholism dealt with a lot of anxiety dealt with a lot of uh mental issues that most of those men who came back from vietnam and i'm sure they're women too but i'm you know really this is the ultimate measure of a man and it's for a reason because men are really really struggling these days and and my father you know said that his challenge was um coming back to a society that he swore to protect and defend and serve. And he he took that service seriously. And then coming back to a country that did not um, really uh, support his freedom and didn't advocate for his freedom. So, you know, my father went and worked in the United States Air Force. He went back to school and, and, and got some other um, electronics degrees uh, And and, and learned how to uh, fix the newer machines in the the, um, post office and, you know, made a great wage back in the 1970s. Um, And so he never really struggled financially because he was very careful with his spending. Um, he made sure he had all of his, um, his, his financials in order, including his insurances, his investments, his charity. My father gave so much money to charity that when, when, when he passed away, we would just show shop that he gave so much money to charity. We were just blown away by my dad because he, um, you know, he just really gave us a side that we never really thought about. What I want people on this podcast to get from it is Bobby Newsom transformed his family. He broke a cycle. We had a cycle of poverty. We had a cycle of abuse. We had a cycle of, I wouldn't say we we, we didn't love, but we loved in all the wrong ways. Like we thought, you know, abuse was a part of that love. You know, my father, my grandfather, and my grandmother would fight and fight many times, but they would come together again and they have kids. And that was, we normalized that. We normalized the beatings and people didn't even say anything. People didn't call the police or anything like that. They just normalized the beatings and normalized the fights and we just kept letting it go. My grandmother and grandfather would fight till sometimes blood came. And I remember one time being a little kid and my grandmother stabbed my grandfather and that was really something that took me back cuz yeah you know, i saw it i watched it and and then later on they kissed and made up kind of thing and that that you know that was weird right it was it was really really weird so later on my father just told us to respect our our, our women respect your wife respect your black women respect and give them love and treat them you know like they're the most precious thing that you have in your life Same thing with your children. He said, you know, make sure that your children don't suffer um, the same way that you suffer. Help them to live a life that you only dream of. And really, that's what my father did is he gave us a life that he could only dream of. And all the things that I said earlier in this podcast where my dad you know, goes home and kids are coming home and and, and, and he sh- sees his furniture on the street he, he said I don't want you guys to ever experience that and the other thing he didn't want us to experience is he said I don't want you to, I don't want you to do anything to harm anybody else because I don't want to I do not want to visit you behind bars I don't want you to uh, get into a situation where you can't provide for the next generation and for your kids so it was my father is why I'm, I'm into the community today. He is the reason why I'm an entrepreneur today. He's the reason why I'm a husband and, and I love my kids and my grandkids and great grand. And, and, and um, it, it, he, he really gave us a new trajectory for the Newsome family. And he always talked about something new because many people don't know where that comes from. The first time I started my company, it was called Newsome Marketing Enterprises. And Nusa Marketing Enterprises was um, my father, uh, it was a proud moment for him. And I remember my dad coming to me and saying, man, son, I I knew you said you were gonna do it, but you did it, you did it. And in 2006, I started my company. Um, I saved up my money from uh, uh, working in the casinos and then investing in some casino stock. And I I started my company with, with a few employees And in eight months, we were close to half a million dollars in revenue. It was a huge success in in many people's eyes. Um, And then my father called me the following April and I was celebrating one year in business. And he said, you know, um, son, I want to be a part of your business. And I said, Dad, cool. You know, um, what do you want to do? He said, well, I just want to be, you know, a a partner. I said, well, I know my dad didn't know anything about marketing and communications, but I wanted to give him that opportunity. Um, but I said, OK, dad, you know what? I'll, I'll call my lawyer. or I'll go online now. I'll, I'll put you on the charter. And he said, no, son, you know, I don't want you to do that. Nope. I said, I thought you wanted to be a part of the company. He said, no, no, not, not that way. I need to invest. He said, what what does it cost to invest and get shares in the company? I didn't know. I said, you know, I'll call somebody and see what that I don't know Dad. I have no idea what that is. So he said, you know, I want you to um, give me the opportunity to to uh, be a partner um, and tell me what it costs. And I said, "I don't know. So he said, well, ten thousand dollars do it. And I said, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what ten thousand dollars <laughs> represents or how many shares it represents. He said, what if I told what if I just to put ten thousand and got ten percent? I said, well, I don't know, dad, you know, I'm I'm still, but you know, if that's what you want to do. So then I had a conversation with my pastor. My pastor said, uh, Shondell, man, what's wrong with you? You don't recognize when your dad trying to be a part of your life, he's trying to be a part of something that he probably could not be a part of. Um, and, and you need to ask God, you know, what, what should you do? And I said, you know what? Wow. I felt like such a heel. I felt so bad because, um, God was giving me a sign and, you know, here it is something that my dad can finally share with me that is really monumental and something that he always wanted. He aspired to be a uh, entrepreneur. He wanted to have the, the the laundromats throughout Brooklyn, but this was his opportunity. And this was in 2007. This was in 2007. And finally, I said, OK, dad, let's do it. Um, and I went back and, and you know, I apologize. And he said, no, I don't apologize. I, I want you. I want to be a part of this. It got my name on it. It's Newsome Marketing Enterprises. And I was like, wow, wow. And yeah, it, was, it has my dad's name. And he took, you know, he, he loved wearing the shirts and all that from the company. But, you know, he came out once a quarter to check on things as he says like i said my father had no experience in marketing and communication but he 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 wanted to be a part of the company came out met the employees talked to people told everybody at the post office that he was a partner in the business with his son and it was newsom marketing enterprises in las vegas nevada and and you know it it really touched him and it really helped him to feel this sense of pride and now i get it i get it that there's a lot of times when, um, you know, black men don't get the opportunity to feel that sense of pride. Um, and and he felt that when he served in the air force, he felt that as a father, he felt that when he bought his home, he felt that as a wife, he felt that as a Christian, but he wanted to experience that as an entrepreneur. And my father passed away two years after that. Um, he got to vote and see the first black man. Um, become president of the united states which was big for him um because again he was pro-black um and he was you know into um empowerment um for black people but he did warn us that um everybody's not going to be excited about that and everybody's not going to be happy about that and while it's nostalgic we still have to have there's a lot more that needs to be done so you know my dad talked about that a lot he just said you know you have to understand what it's about what is what is it about what is it to be a black man in the, in the United States of America? And why is it important that you carry on some of the traditions and you tell the story of how black men really are, not the stereotypes that everybody sees us. My, you know, my father didn't like the stereotypes. He didn't like that we had a stereotype of being um, non-responsible, that we had a, a ban- abandoning our families, of not being hard workers, of not being smart, right? He he really, really didn't like that. That you know, that that all black people are dumb or, or black men are slow or they just strong with their muscles, but they're mentally weak. You know, he didn't like any of those type of things. So he kept saying to me over and over again that you gotta you gotta change everything, son. You gotta be a part of that change. You gotta go out and you gotta make sure that people understand that the ultimate measure of a man. Is how he takes care of his family, how he takes care of his kids, how he really, really cares about his community, how he loves all people and is a leader for all people. He's not he's a leader in the black community, but he's just he's not just a leader of the black community. I didn't understand that. And he said, you know, like Dr. King, and my father loved Dr. King. He said Dr. King was an international hero. He was not just a black hero. And what happened is he felt like everybody tries to marginalize us. Everybody tries to put us in the box. Everybody tries to say, you know, Chandel, you're a leader of the black community. Um, but my, I, we won't accept that. We want to accept that we're, we're the leader of the community, just like we serve the United States Air Force. I, I mean, I served the United States Air Force for a decade. My daughter served for about nine and a half years. My son served in the army for about four years, over oh, four years. So we, we, you know, my brother served in the, in the getting ready to retire from the United States Air Force. So we have this sense of, yes, we are proud to be black but don't marginalize us to just say that's all we are. Because um, my dad was a big historian. He bought us black encyclopedias when, in the 1970s, um, those black encyclopedias was all about us learning the rich history that was um, uh, intentionally taken out of the history books for the United States of America. And he he often talked about the constitution. He also talked, he talked about the, uh, the uh, rights that we had as citizens. He often talked about you know, what people would say versus what they would do. So these are things that um, I've carried on because of my father. My father is one of those people who undoubtedly um, is a hero. He's a hero in our community. He's a hero in the world. Um, he was a hero in, in, in many ways in our neighborhood. As my brother said earlier, Uh, That many people looked up to my father, and a lot of people came to him and thought, you know, that we had to share him with the community because a lot of people saw him as their father. And I, you know, I carry that same mantle. I feel like, you know, I have to make sure that I'm I'm there for people in our community. And then, and you know, again, I'm not marginalized. I'm not I'm not in one community. Yes, I'm pro-black. I'm I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm big on helping black folks. Um, But I'm also big on helping humanity and helping people in general and and really growing from there. And, you know, this this man, Bobby Newsom. if you ever want to see a hero in our family who has transcended our family, who has taken our family from one mindset to another. He said he wanted us to move from a mindset of welfare to a mindset of wealth. And now I totally understand what my father's talking about. And it's not just the money, it's the knowledge that comes with it. It's the resources, it's the it's the relationships, it's the quote unquote power that people say that they have. Well, we as a people have a have a very, very special power. And that power is resiliency, and that power is dealing with adversity. And that's why this podcast is so important. That's why. I, I, you know, I started this podcast because of my father and because of my father-in-law. I didn't know my father-in-law a lot, but I I know him through my wife. Um, But my father is the ultimate measure of a man. And, you know, Dr. King said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in times of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. And I feel like my father withstood that ultimate challenge the other quote that Dr. King had is if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven will pause to say, here lives the great street sweeper who did his job well. And, and part of that, he said, uh, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets as Michelangelo painted, as Beethoven wrote poetry, or as... I mean, as Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare, Shakespeare wrote poetry, he should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven will pause to say, here lived the great street sweeper who did his job well. My father was an awesome street sweeper. My father was an awesome father, an awesome husband, a great provider, a man of integrity, a man who believed in his blackness so well that he knew that that was a powerful trait for him where everybody else told him that was a disadvantage, he turned it into an advantage. And he taught us how to turn adversity into an advantage. He taught us how to tell people Don't you ever tell me that I'm inferior to you when I am one of the first people on this earth. And he believed in that so much with Africa. He believed that Africa was a nation that would have become a great nation like the United States had it not been for slavery. Had it not been that um, slaves were, uh, were, were, were put all around the country, not just United States. They were taken from Africa. Just imagine that, he said, if we would have kept all those people there, those great scientific marvels, those great inventions, those great uh, uh, societal changes that were happening through the support and the ingenuity of black people. Just imagine what Africa would have been had we all been there. So this is my dad. That's who he is. And that's who he was. So happy birthday, dad. And this tribute is to you because you are an icon for us. And I love you so much. And we love you so much. Seven children, many grandchildren, many great grandchildren now and a great, great grand. I'm telling you, my father's a rock star and he is without a doubt the ultimate measure of a man.